This is the Feminine Podcast, the official podcast of Feminine, discussing all things femme, a little bit of EM, and everything in between. I'm Jenny Beck Esme, editor in chief of Feminine. I am joined today by the wonderful, fabulous, everyone knows her, everyone loves her, Dr. Dara Cass. Dr. Dara Cass, hi. Hello. I love that you introduced me, and all I have to say is hi, Jenny. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Welcome back to the podcast. Dara, um, as lighthearted and fun and giggly as that little opening was, we're talking about a kind of heavy topic today. We are talking about physician suicide, and we have some special guests that I'm going to bring in here in just a second to talk about the mental health care needs of healthcare workers, and specifically the Dr. Lorna Breen Heroes Foundation. So as our listeners certainly remember, our community was tragically struck by the loss of Dr. Breen to suicide in April of this past year. Physician suicide has gotten talked about a lot more in recent years, which is really fantastic. Literature has shown that the relative risk for suicide is 2.27 times greater among women, so our group, and 1.41 times higher among men, physicians, than the general population. So we are at very high risk of suffering these tragic losses, and it's really important that we talk about it. Each year, physician suicide is devastating families, friends, colleagues, and for each physician lost, probably a million patients, you know, so it's really, really terrible. So joining Dara and me to talk about this heavy topic and hopefully get us on track to solving it are Jennifer and Corey Feist. Jennifer and Corey are Dr. Lorna Breen's sister and brother-in-law, and they are the founders of the Dr. Lorna Breen Heroes Foundation. Jennifer is an attorney, and she has a lot of prior experience with nonprofit formation. And of course, she's from a family of doctors and healthcare providers, so she intimately understands some of the risks and stressors that we are up against. And Corey is the CEO of University of Virginia Physician Group. He has a career within the healthcare realm, having worked on issues of healthcare stress and burnout even prior to the loss of his sister-in-law. We're really lucky to be joined by Jennifer and Corey. Say hi, guys. Hi, thank you for having us. Thanks for having us, Jenny. So And Dara. And Dara. And Dara. Thank me as well. Dara's here too. Dara's here too. Thank you, Dara. So You're welcome. See we now that now we can start off at a good should we record we record that, Jenny? Or no, we should we record it? <laughs> no, I like it. I like it. I like to inject this is I think this conversation obviously, you know, is gonna be hard for a lot of us. And I think that sometimes just Taking a deep breath, like after that introduction, is important yeah. even for people like me. Heavy introduction. I went from giggle to you know scary statistics in thirty seconds. So you're welcome, audience. We wanted to have Jennifer and Corey on this week because this is the week of the digital fix, and the digital fix is being especially dedicated to the Dr. Lorna Breen Foundation and Dr. Lorna Breen's memory. So Dara, tell us about how this all came about. Right. So um, I think that. Every year we normally have the feminine, you know, idea exchange, the fixed conference in person. And we realized around March when the pandemic started that that was not going to be possible, that we're going to have to think of either delaying the conference for a year or some other way to gather virtually in theory, although we weren't really even sure if that was either necessary or possible. Um, and I think that, so we decided to do the conference digitally, uh, but I think it also represents this, the effect of, you know, a small effect of this virus and this pandemic on all of our lives. And if a lot of you remember in um, April, uh, you know, in the height of the pandemic in New York City, uh, after we saw, you know, overwhelming numbers of patients in New York City, uh, one of the colleagues in my department uh, died by suicide. And devastating. And I think that when we realized that we were launching this conference, 
um, we really felt that the best way to tie, tie up the um, connection of the moment we're in with the loss of one of our own was to dedicate the conference to her. So <laughs> I'm gonna take a deep breath and I'm gonna let you introduce um, Corey and Jennifer who have taken um, an unbelievable loss for their family and for all of us and really done something remarkable uh, for the world. And it is our honor to help uh, highlight this um, with the conference, with all of you and ask for just a little bit of support. So now back to you, Jenny, take it away. Well, I'm actually just gonna toss it right over to Jennifer and Corey. Tell us about your foundation, your experience getting this up off the ground and what you need our audience to know about it. Okay, wonderful. Thank you for having us. I can start and then I can um, give it to Corey and Dara, I wanna thank you for that. Um, I've got to tell you all, I feel like I'm crying my way across the country. I mean, I cry all the time in front of everybody. And so I'm just glad I'm not the only one. Um, so <laughs> thank you for being honest. Um, so Lorna is my sister. And, um, it, you know, many people have heard of Lorna Breen. Many people had heard of Lorna Breen before she died. She was a rock star. Uh, she was very smart, very driven, always wanted to be an emergency physician, always wanted to live in Manhattan, despite the fact that we're not from New York. Um, you know, she always had this life in mind that would be full of um, fast paced action, full of excitement, full of culture and interesting people and, you know, fabulous restaurants. And, and that, you know, that was her life. She was just this full of life human being who was a go-getter and nothing could stop her. Um, Lorna and I are uh, 22 months apart in age. Her birthday is October 9th. Uh, as we approach that date, it's tough because Lorna and I were together um, in Montana in March talking about what we were gonna do for her 50th birthday and we were gonna go to Miami and party for the weekend. And uh, you know, this was before the pandemic really hit when we were talking about it. And there was this great debate in my family because Corey here was signed up to run the Chicago Marathon this weekend. And Lorna was turning 50 this weekend. And there was um, robust discussion <laughs> and negotiation about whose weekend I would attend. Um, so anyway, my sister was just, she was just amazing. And um, as was mentioned, uh, our dad is a retired trauma surgeon, so we grew up in the culture of medicine, despite the fact that I had never worked, done anything in medicine since I was a candy striper when I was like 12 years old. Uh, it's, it's a culture and a world that's very familiar to me and to all of us. My mom's a retired nurse. I have a brother who's a radiologist and another sister um, who's an artist. And in any event, Lorna was just fantastic. She was a supernova. Uh, and um, in addition to that, she really had no mental health problems. She had no history of depression, anxiety, addiction, etc. She was just kind of rocking her life in New York, going on trips with her friends and doing fun things and, you know, kicking ass and taking names, frankly. Uh, and um, when the pandemic hit New York, as everybody knows, it was crushing. Uh, I told her at the time, and I still wonder if this is the case, 
You know, we, Corey and I live in Charlottesville, Virginia. It's a beautiful sunny day. We both just went for a run. It, you know, it's gorgeous. There are leaves on the ground. Everything's calm. There's no discussion here about whether or not there are ventilators or oxygen or pulse oxes. Um, you know, we're just going on about our day. I wondered at the time that the pandemic hit Manhattan if uh, people around the United States really got it. I don't know that they did, um, but my sister was telling me in real time everything that was happening and it was dire as, as you know, many of your listeners who, who are um, from the New York area probably know. So, um, you know, Lorna was working in the, in the emergency room. She almost immediately got sick after we were in Montana in uh, mid-March. She went back one day after our trip to Big Sky. She almost immediately got sick. She was out for a week. After she was afebrile for three days, she went back. Uh, in, in retrospect, this seems absolutely ludicrous, but she did go back. And the whole time she was out, she was worried about being out. She was worried about who else was out. Um, she was texting me the uh, quarantine count of physicians, PAs, and nurses who were out. Um, and she went back and it was bad. It was really bad. Um, and, uh, you know, I think about it, this all the time because uh, this was not, this is not my sister's story. This is not her life end. Uh, it, it's, you know, six months later, and I'm still just as confused as I was the day after she died about what's happened. Um, but what I can say is that when she went back, she felt an urgency to get in there and get after it. Uh, I, I said to her, she called me after she went back and she said, it's like Armageddon. I don't even know what to do. There are so many sick people. Everybody's dying everywhere. We don't even know where to put people. And I said to her, I was folding laundry and I texted Corey, who was um, in the other room. And I said, I need you to look up the peak in Manhattan. Tell me what day it's gonna peak. What day is COVID peaking? And he looked it up and it was four days after I was talking to her. And I said, listen, it's four days. You can hold your breath for four days. Keep after it, you can do it, stay in. Um, there have been many times that I've really kicked myself for that. And I've, and I've thought, why did I, why did I say that? Why didn't I just say, this is a nightmare, come home. Um, and I didn't because that's not, she wouldn't have responded to that. That's not how we were raised. That's not how she was educated. Yeah. Um, you know, you can't get to this level of profession without having grit. Uh, it's interesting. Um, my mom was going through some of Lorna's things recently, and uh, Lorna had a master's of anatomy from MC Medical College of Virginia, MCV, which she got before she um, went to med school. And in her dissertation, there was a dedication uh, to everybody in my family. Um, at the time, there, there was no Corey Feist in our family. He's not in there, but the rest of us are. And uh, the dedication to my dad was for teaching me to get some flint in my eye basically to like you know wear your big girl pants and get in there and just handle it um so anyway i tech I, I said i was talking to her at the time and i said four days suck it up buttercup get in there um and of course she couldn't suck it up buttercup and she should have been trying so um she came home 
she was hospitalized. The entire time she kept saying, my job, I'm gonna lose my job, I'm gonna lose my license. My colleagues aren't going to respect me anymore. They're gonna think that I'm weak. Um, Corey and I are, are both lawyers and uh, I have lived a life, despite the fact that I am not um, a physician, I have lived a life uh, of getting what I want and being, being willing to work to get it. Um, and uh, my mom always jokes, I told our daughter when she was about three, she dropped her blanket and started crying. And I said, you're in control of your own destiny. If you want it, bend over and pick it up. Uh -huh. My mom was like, she's three, why are you saying that? But in any event, when Lorna was talking about her career and her license, I, I basically was like, we'll lawyer up, we'll do what we have to. This is not a problem. Don't you worry about that. We have got this under control and we will fix it. Um, and what I learned is that we actually couldn't fix it. Um, I didn't learn that until after she died. She was hospitalized, she came out. Her consistent fear was her, her career. She died by suicide about four or five days after uh, she was discharged from the University of Virginia. And um, what I learned after she died is that seeking mental health support as a physician is, uh, there's a taboo. Um, there are some institutional barriers, which blows my mind. Um, I do know there's a stigma. There's, she talked about it. Everybody's going to think I'm an idiot and I'm a loser because I couldn't hang in. Uh, and, you know, this is not a situation where my sister had been, you know, struggling with anxiety for 20 years or even one year or even one month. She was struggling with anxiety because she was an emergency room physician during a pandemic and there was no relief in sight. Uh, and it built up quickly like a tsunami and overtook her quickly. And, um, it shouldn't have happened. It, this was avoidable. We consider this something that should never have happened. And what we learned after she died is not only is this kind of a pandemic within the medical industry, but it's been going on for years. And I don't even understand that as a family member. Why in the world would you encourage somebody in your family to go into healthcare if they're odds of suicide increase like this? And if they're you know, support is so poor and their access to support is so limited. Why would anybody do this for a living? What? It, so anyway, um, I, I can let Corey kind of take over about the foundation, but that's, that's what brought us here today. That's why we're here right now. When Lorna died, there was a period immediately after she died of roughly 12 hours when we responded the way that many in our world um, respond to suicide, which is don't tell anybody. In fact, um, I remember uh, having conversations in those few hours afterwards, um, trying to figure out how to how to um, <clears throat> how to use my words um, in writing and, and verbally with folks to say, like, this is this she died as a as a result of complications from COVID. Um, I still believe that to be the case, um, but about 12 hours after she died, we were confronted with um, publicity associated with this, which is not something that we had asked for or were, draw we're, we're seeking out. Um, and in fact, I was uh, in this current position that I'm sitting talking to you all, 
literally having a probably one of the hardest conversations um, with with an editor of the New York Times begging him not to publish the story. And uh, at that point, we you know we really didn't know what had happened. She died at the hospital. We didn't know what the circumstances were to the degree, and so we were legitimately just trying to figure out which end was up. And and I begged him, and and he respectfully uh, declined and told me that he had already published the article. So he wanted to know if I had a comment, <clears throat> and I declined respectfully at that time. Um, within a few hours of that publication and the national storm media storm that that began, um, we had a choice to make here, which was. Do we retreat into the shadows and close all of our windows and doors to the world and hope it goes away, or do we lean into the conversation? And um, we chose to lean into the conversation because from the moment Lorna died, this was not about one person. This was about all of the healthcare providers who have suffered. And frankly, this is also about so many people who have been the victims or family members who have been, who died by suicide, who've just have been suffering in silence for years. We were overwhelmed after we went on the Today Show by physicians and others who reached out to us to thank us because they had struggled at some point in their career or were currently struggling and didn't feel like they had permission to talk about it. And one thing led to another, and we realized how enormous this really is. And being problem solvers and recognizing also that we had some attention on Lorna, we chose to really lean in here and create a nonprofit foundation, which is dedicated to, to solving this, this very complex and multi-layer problem. Um, and we're starting with an awareness campaign. That's one of the reasons why we're talking to you all. Over the summer, we worked with the New York Times, Vanity Fair, and anybody and everyone who would listen to talk about this, to raise visibility and raise awareness. Because the more we talk about it, we feel like the more normal it gets and the more permission people have to talk about it. And we've heard from so many people that we never knew before and so many we probably will never meet in person who have just simply said thank you for, for creating a space for me to have a conversation. Thank you for inspiring my health system to work on this issue and bring us resources. And so, um, so that's where we are. We hope to grow the foundation um, so that we can, we can actually support programs that will provide resources to healthcare providers at all levels, both in their training as well as through their professional career, and, and really address many of the root causes of, of burnout in healthcare providers, which as I've more generally defined as any bureaucracy that gets between a healthcare provider and her patient. Um, and I know a big one of those is electronic medical record inefficiencies, but it's all, all sorts of inefficiencies that I'm sure frustrate everyone and really detract from what you were called to medicine to do, which was to take care of patients. So we're trying to take care of our healthcare providers so you all can take care of patients. And, uh, and that's why we're here. This summer, we also heard um, from Senator Tim Kaine from New York, from, I'm sorry, from Virginia. He's been amazing, uh, an amazing champion of mental, 
uh, of mental health resources as, as, as a legislator, but also particular to this issue. Um, Senator Kane immediately jumped on this and established um, a, a, a piece of legislation called the Dr. Warner Green Healthcare Provider Protection Act. Um, he immediately um, obtained bipartisan support from uh, Senator Bill Cassidy and others, and then it was introduced in the House with bipartisan support. So we have a potential law here, and the law is great because the law does kind of what I just identified. It, it creates a national awareness campaign to raise visibility. It provides programmatic funding for people in their educational years and medical school, nursing school, um, to learn about these issues and figure out how to mitigate it. And then when folks are in their careers, it, it provides resources to health systems and others to try to, to, try to address this critical issue. Um, you know, as, as it, it, comes, it goes a little bit without saying, but I'll say it anyway, it, it, there's a direct impact on how, a, how burnt out a healthcare provider is on, on the, the patient care they, receive, they provide. Um, in fact, we have uh, now come into a lot of research on this topic, and there's in fact a 200% increase in, um, in medical errors when healthcare providers are burnt out. So, so there's a, there are so many reasons here to address this issue now, while the entire healthcare workforce, whether you worked in New York or whether you work in a rural hospital, well, everyone's tired and everyone needs a break. And so we needed to take a collective deep breath and we need to support our healthcare heroes. I know that many many folks don't like that term. Um, we'll call them the humans first, humans before heroes. Recognize the humanity and take care of all of you who are listening because you deserve it. And you've given us your lives to help heal us. So now it's our turn to turn around and, and reciprocate. You know, I think that one of the, I mean, kind of stepping back from this moment and thinking about where we are and, and you know, over the past six months, you know, when, I don't want to reflect too much on when Lorna died because it was obviously devastating for so many reasons, but to me, it was always about the system. You know, it was always about the circumstances she was put into and it was never about her and it was always about how not just much the system failed her and all of us, but how this was, she was the, the canary in the coal mine, literally, right? That was coming out of the, the coal mine and, and had fallen because it was so toxic. And I think that the opportunity to remind everyone that this pandemic is the worst it's ever been for almost all of us, but it's certainly not the beginning of this. And that there are significant things we can do legislatively, educationally, um, as a community, legally, you know, to remove the barriers to mental health assessments, to support services. You know, the idea, and I think we've all had it, that even just going on an antidepressant alone would flag you as a candidate for medical school or residency as being flawed somehow, yet we're put into, you know, unbelievably traumatic experiences, even just the regular job of emergency medicine. Like, let's not go too far and say that we have to have a pandemic to make this an issue, but seeing, you know, children die accidentally or intentionally is traumatizing. Uh, holding the hand of somebody as they pass away, regardless of the cause, can be traumatizing. Being the last person to, see, to talk to somebody uh, and, and have their last breath is traumatizing. And there has to be a way to decompress from that that isn't just suck it up buttercup, 
right? And I mean that, and I use those terms because we've said it to ourselves all the time, even just the idea of crying, right? So Jen, you said that, you know, you cry, oh. you're on a tour crying around the world. I'm on a tour crying for the past six months. Oh, cry. Uh, <laughs> I cry all the time. That's all uh, <laughs> And I spoke on Sunday at this memorial service, there's 200,000 people that died uh, for this virus, like from this virus. And, you know, in my remarks, you know, one of the people I cried for was Lorna, like, and the connection to this, from this virus and how it triggered what I view to be an unnecessary death from this virus, something that didn't have to happen if our system was more resilient. Our healthcare system is not resilient, but it expects our healthcare workers to be resilient. Thank you. If our system was more resilient, so much of the time we are focusing on making the individuals resilient, but it's not about the individual. It's about a systemic problem that we have to address. And, and one of the, well, let me just interject there what, what, what we've talked about. And, and in fact, we wrote an article for U.S. News and World Report, which had all these calls to action. And that article was entitled the canary in a coal mine is to use your phrase and, and that's exactly what we've said is we don't need canaries we need to redesign the coal mine right we need we need a different we need a different approach here or we're just going to have lorna times infinity at this which is actually when we're, we're just when, going we're going to keep putting go ahead. you know yeah i know i'll be honest when you know when she passed away in april i was convinced she was the first of many uh, I was sure that this was going to be happening all over cities in America because it was just a devastating experience to live through. And I thank God that I don't think that there have been that many other physicians who have died by suicide from this now or ones that we don't know. We don't know. And, um, and, I, and I thank you both for being brave enough to share the story with people, um, having lived through the first 48 hours of this experience and how aggressive the media was in getting this story out and how difficult it was to toe the line between personal privacy and public interest. And I think that's where it became really difficult. Um, the decision to go public and to make um, a purpose from her death um, even a little part and change lives and save other lives from this. I think it's, it's just unbelievably brave. And so thank you, both of you. And so that's, I think, why I want to pivot now in our conversation to what we can do to help amplify and support that over the next week. Uh, one of the things we're going to do um, is acknowledge the fact that it is Lorna's 50th birthday. And it is exciting to celebrate 50th birthdays for people, and we want to do that too. And so one of the things we're going to ask is that on Friday, Everybody who has listened to this podcast has been connected to Feminem even a little bit, um, is thankful for anything that we have done to support you, that you support her. And you can donate $5 or $50 uh, to the Lorna Breen Heroes Foundation, and we will tweet out the link for that. Uh, but we would love to aggregate a reasonable amount of money to help support the education programs um, from the foundation. Our goal is to get to $50,000, which can be 1,000 people at $50. It can be 10,000 people at $5. It can be one person at $50,000, <laughs> if that's you out there. We Go have no it. problem. We have we no thank problem. thank you in advance, Dara, for your donation. <laughs> <laughs> right. We have no problem with a truly generous soul out there using their money for this. Uh, but we want to show Lorna up there where she's watching us, that we are still working for her. Uh, and that um, if her birthday can't be in Miami, and let's be honest, Jen, she was never going to Miami right now regardless, <laughs> um, that we are going to celebrate her life and her 50 years on this planet. Uh, so that's one. That's one. Uh, that's one. Uh, the next thing we're going to do, Corey, do you want to talk about the legislation a little bit? Sure. Yeah. So both both of these, I think, for your for the viewers or the listeners, sorry, um, going to our website to the take action section 
will both give you an opportunity to donate as well as to take action to uh, to share support and lend support for for this law. We believe that it there it's got a good chance of passing if we can bring support to it because it has bipartisan support in both chambers. This is not a political it's not political. So but what it needs we need a huge drumbeat of support and so by going to the take action section on our website which is drlornabreen.org going to that section which is very prominent and and in navigating to the area which is just one button that says this is how I can contact my, my member of Congress um, members of Congress and let them know that there's a huge support for this law and it's needed now more than ever and then going to your institutions who are employing you and saying you all need to get do the same thing and Go to your local legislators, let them know that this is critical. It's critical now more than ever. One of these COVID relief packages that will come through in the next few months can add this bipartisan um, legislation to it. And, and we will be off to the we'll be off to the races. We'll be in a much better position than we've been in the past. And so drlornabreen.org is the place to find the take action section within our website is a way is a way to go and please take action. Um, this is about this is about all healthcare providers, not Lorna. So one of the ways we're gonna ask our Feminem audience and our FIX audience to help support both kind of the legislative action and the raising awareness action is to participate with us in a social media slash Twitter storm, if we can use our social media power to raise some awareness and and put some pressure on our legislators to make this happen. So on Thursday morning, when FIX is going live, if everyone could use that as an opportunity to go to this website, do some of this contacting, tweet and retweet the tweets that we're going to be putting out about the Dr. Lorna Breen Heroes Foundation and the act, I think that would really be powerful. It's the overwhelming push that we need to get this over the, over the finish line. And, and I think that now, now while there is a little bit of a lull before the election where we can create this drumbeat and keep it going, we can actually make this happen. But Jennifer and I can't do it together alone. Um, we need everyone on this uh, who's listening um, and your institutions to support it as well. You got us. That we promise. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, I just thank you so much to you, uh, you all for having us for continuing this story. Um, this, this started with my sister. Um, but I believe that it's so much bigger than her. And it was a problem before and it's a problem again. And we got to fix it. We got to fix it. I couldn't believe when I learned how the medical profession works. I can't believe how many people, my own caregivers included, who contacted me and said, you know, my sibling died by suicide. I, you know, was depressed but didn't tell anybody because I thought I was going to lose my license. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's not something you expect to see in a modern society. And um, it's time. It's time we, we fix this and we change it. And Corey and I are not going to stop and i hope that you all can join us we're not stopping until this is done lorna cared as much about her professional colleagues as she cared about her patients 
and we really feel like this is an extension of that work. Um, we're, we are collectively with your audience and amplifying the work and her deep care for her, for her professional colleagues. Um, and, and we just can't thank you, Dara and Jenny, enough for having us. Thank you to the audience for your support. Um, reach out to us. Our contact information is, is on the website. We just can't thank you enough for your Well, I thank the two of you for joining us. I'm really impressed with the Dr. Lorna Breen Heroes Foundation. As far as I see it, you guys are working so hard to raise awareness, to challenge and hopefully ultimately change stigma surrounding the mental health care needs of healthcare professionals. You're working on creating resources and programs for education and mitigation, and you are taking legislative action. So this is a fourfold, multi-purposed foundation that really needs all of our support. So again, we ask you to head over to the website and in honor of Dr. Breen's birthday, donate some multiple of five, five, 50, 500, 5,000, 50,000, you know, whatever works for you in your budget. <laughs> and then of course, participate in our social media Twitter storm campaign on Thursday morning. And yes, and say happy birthday Lorna on Friday on social. And say happy birthday to Lorna on Friday on social media. Yeah. If you haven't gotten your ticket to join us for the virtual fix conference that is this Thursday and Friday, you still can. You can still join us. You can head over to the website, get a ticket to sign up for the fantastic panels, the fantastic workshops that you can participate in. And I think Corey is actually going to be joining us on Thursday morning as well as we launch our social media campaign. So you don't want to miss it. Bye. Thank you. Thank you all.